Hi, you are listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. You will be hearing a sermon from Pastor Jared Aron. So without further ado, here he is. So a few, a few weeks ago, our family went and saw the new Lego movie 2. And I don't know if you saw the first movie, but in the first movie, the theme song is Everything is Awesome. It's a catchy but kind of annoying song. Uh, But in the second movie, one of the key songs is Everything's Not Awesome. And I just want to read a few of the lyrics from this song. Everything's not awesome. Everything's not cool. I'm so depressed. Everything's not awesome. I just want to eat carbs past the ice cream. How true is that? Everything's not awesome. Things can't be awesome all the time. It's not a realistic expectation. What a bummer of a way to start a sermon. But I realize when we come here on a Sunday morning, everything is not awesome in your life. Everything is not awesome in the people that you care about. Everything is not awesome in this world. In a room this size... There are so many struggles, so many trials, so many battles being fought right now. And many of these battles are unseen and unknown to others. There are relationships on the line right now. There are crises in your vocation and your career. There are health challenges There are emotional issues, depression. There is battle after battle after battle right now. And all these battles that we are fighting have an impact on our faith, our trust in God one way or another. And some of the questions that I've been thinking about for us as we face our battles is, what do you do when you're backed in a corner? What do you do when you're at the end of yourself. How do we fight the battles of this life? And this morning's message is going to lead us to face these questions. And so before we get into the scripture, I just want to lead us in a prayer again to ask God to open up our hearts, that we would really hear from him this morning. Father God, thank you that you are here right now, that you are very present right now, that you see every person, you know every struggle, every trial, every battle. And God, you want to help us. You want to walk with us. And so I pray this morning, God, that you would saturate this room with your tangible presence, your tangible love, that every person here would encounter you in a real way, that you would open up our hearts to hear from you. And I pray for any heart that is turned against you, any heart that is callous to you, 
God, that out of your pursuing love, you would break in this morning. And God, I know in myself, uh, I need to depend on you. I need your help. I need your strength. I need your spirit's power. So I ask for it this morning. And I ask it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we're going to be in 2 Chronicles 20, uh, the Old Testament, and it centers upon this man who was king of Judah at the time, King Jehoshaphat. And I realize I'm going to say Jehoshaphat's name probably 50 times in this message, so like, I was thinking of nicknames that I could use, like J-Ho, like J-Lo, J-Fat, So Fat. I didn't feel good about any of those names. It didn't feel very honoring or respectful to a man who I really admire. I read this passage of scripture about a year ago, and God has used it in significant ways in my life. So out of my respect and admiration for King Jehoshaphat, I'm going to stick with his real name this morning. The book of 2 Chronicles spends four chapters on Jehoshaphat's life, and there are ups and downs in his story. And I want to just summarize a few things for us. First, Jehoshaphat was devoted to God. His heart was set on following God. In 2 Chronicles 17, it says his heart was devoted to the ways of the Lord. He invested in his own relationship with God. Amidst all his responsibilities and duties as king, He didn't neglect his own walk with God. It's so critical for every person, especially a leader, to put a priority on their relationship with God. Second, Jehoshaphat really cared for the people he was leading. He wanted them to know and follow God. In 2 Chronicles 17, he sent out officials to teach the law of the Lord to the people. In 2 Chronicles 19, he points judges that were focused on turning the people back to God. He was committed to the spiritual well-being of his people. But he had his down moments too. In 2 Chronicles 18, he aligns with the evil king Ahab. And basically, Jehoshaphat should have said no. And he didn't. So he had flaws. He wasn't perfect. But all in all, you have a leader who is devoted to God and his people. And in 2 Chronicles 20, which we'll be looking at this morning, we'll see a defining moment in his life and leadership. And really, it's a life and death moment for Jehoshaphat and his people. They are in big trouble. They are backed into a corner with no way out. Verse 1, it says, After this, the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Moonites, came to make war on Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazazan Tamar, that is En Gedi. As we read on in the story, it's clear that Jehoshaphat and his people are overmatched by these approaching armies. The next verse begins with the word alarmed. Jehoshaphat is alarmed. Basically, he is freaked out. When you are backed into a corner, when you are at the end of your own rope, there are a few common ways 
to respond. First, you can fight back. You can push back. Life is hitting you hard. I'm going to hit back harder. And you strive and work against whatever is opposing you. Another response is despair. You throw your arms in the air and you just give up. You wallow in the corner. You play the victim card. Woe is me. Another response is to escape. Basically, you medicate yourself. You find some other comfort or relief, but it doesn't change the circumstances you are in. Or you choose the way of dependence. You acknowledge your helplessness in this moment and realize you can't handle it on your own. You need outside intervention and help. You need to depend on someone who is greater than you, and you lean into God. And Jehoshaphat, he chose dependence. Verse 3, alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. I mean, props here to Jehoshaphat. He resolved to inquire of the Lord. He proclaimed a fast for all the people, and the people respond to his leadership, and they come together to seek God. He not only chose the way of dependence, he led the people of, of Judah in a desperate act of dependence on God. And one of the things I appreciate about Jehoshaphat and his leadership is he didn't just care for the people. He invited the people in. He didn't do things solo. Even in his most frightening hour, he invites others to join him in depending on the Lord. He did not hide. And this is a reminder for us in tough times. We need others to join us in our battles. Don't go it solo. Don't hide. Invite others in. Invite others to come with you before God in prayer. And all the people are gathered together. And Jehoshaphat stands up and he leads out in prayer. Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built it in a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine... We will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress. And you will hear us and save us. But now here are men from Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? 
For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Jehoshaphat's prayer is an appeal to God. It's an appeal to God's power and strength and his capability. God, you rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand. And no one can withstand you. He also appeals to God's faithfulness over Israel's history. God, you drove out other nations to give us this land. Yet in verse 10, Jehoshaphat gets real with God. You see, in Deuteronomy 2, God told the Israelites not to go to war and not to destroy the Ammonites. So Jehoshaphat is reminding God about this fact. Basically saying, God, we have a problem. And here's the thing, God. These people who are coming against us, you, you did not allow us to defeat them in the past. And God, we obeyed you because you asked us not to destroy them. And now here they come. Jehoshaphat is basically saying, God, this is your problem. Then in verse 12, this is the crescendo moment in this prayer. For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Here we see what I admire so much about Jehoshaphat, his humility. Humility. Leaders are expected to have answers. Leaders are supposed to come up with strategies and solutions. Leaders are supposed to know what to do. But here we see one of the most underrated qualities of leadership, which is humility. God, I don't know what to do. God, we don't know what to do. I don't have an answer right now. I don't have a solution to this problem. We have no power to face this vast army. And the gift of humility is that it leads to dependence. The gift of humility is that it leads to dependence. And dependence is a very good thing when you're depending on God. And some of you today, this is the next step for you right now. To humble yourself before God and cry out to him, God, I don't know what to do. The battle I'm facing right now, it is beyond myself. And to go to God in humility and dependence. Jehoshaphat, he was not embarrassed or ashamed to lead out of humility in front of all the people. And I love what happens in verse 13. All the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. Can you picture that? Can you picture that? Infants. Toddlers, children, 
youth group students, young adults, middle-aged people, elderly, all together, gathered before the Lord in prayer. And it specifically says little ones here. Everyone was included. All the people, no matter their age, came together in desperate dependence on God. And the cry of the people became the cry of Jehoshaphat, God, we don't know what to do, but, but our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on you. From humility and dependence to now a declaration of faith. Faith is all about keeping your eyes on God. Faith is putting your confidence in God rather than yourself or the circumstances. And I want to get real with how much I can struggle with this. Uh, A couple Sundays ago, I was up here preaching, and I can't fully describe what it's like to be up here. I feel like I'm standing on the edge of a cliff many times. And two Sundays ago in particular, I was just tired and worn out and depleted. And as I was giving the message, there was just kind of these waves of discouragement that were coming at me. And I shared this with the CG leaders two weeks ago, but there were moments during the sermon I just wanted to walk off stage and sit down and just be done with it. It was a faith struggle for me. There was a battle going on. Two Sundays ago, before church, early in the morning, I sensed God was saying, Jared, put your confidence in me. Don't put your confidence in what you see or feel. And I wasn't able to grab onto that during the message, but it was an important word for me. Because so often I put my confidence in what I feel or what I see. And when I'm up here so many times, I have no idea what is going on. Preaching is always a faith step for me. It's a reminder to me that when I'm up here, my confidence is not in myself. It's not in what I see or feel. And so often, I have no idea what God is doing in the moment. And that's what faith is about. Faith sees above the circumstances. Faith looks up. It looks at God. And the temptation for us so often is to look at the circumstances, to base things on how we feel or what we see in the moment. And we need to live out Jehoshaphat's prayer. God, I'm going to keep my eyes on you. I'm going to put my confidence in you right now. Yvonne was making her delicious steak chili last week, and I offered to to help out. I don't do much in the kitchen, but I offered to cut up the, the steak. You know, it felt like a manly thing to do, and so I grabbed my favorite knife and started slicing 
away. And um, this knife is probably 15 years old, and it's never been sharpened. So if you know anything about the kitchen, a dull knife is not a good thing. And so I got a good workout in when I was doing it, and I, I shredded that meat more than sliced it. Um, I'm convinced Yvonne hides all the sharp knives from me so I don't cut off my fingers. That's, that's what love does, right? Love protects one another. But I want you to think about a dull knife for a moment. Because some of us, our faith is like a dull knife right now. Because opportunity after opportunity, God is giving you moments to sharpen your faith. To grow your confidence in him. But you keep choosing your own way. You, you keep telling God, God, I'm going to just do this on my own. And like a dull knife, it's a lot of work to do it on your own. And when you pass up God's leadership, your faith keeps getting duller and duller. You see, faith is forged in the trials of life. When you learn to put your confidence in God. Faith is built when you're at the end of your rope. So in the midst of the battle, where will you put your confidence? In yourself? In your circumstances? Or in the God who reigns over all? In verse 14, the story shifts from Jehoshaphat to God taking center stage. And God is going to show up in a miraculous way. Verse 14, the spirit of the Lord came on Jahaziel. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They'll be climbing up the pass of Ziz. You'll find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. If you're like me, too often when I'm pressed during the battle, I want to take control. I want to assert myself, and I've learned time and time again that God is often asking us to let go, to wait on him, and invite him to fight the battle. God wants to lead, and too often we are getting in the way out of our stubbornness and our self-sufficiency. As God says to Jehoshaphat through Jahaziel, this is not your battle. This is my battle. God is still speaking this to us today. 
this is not your battle. This is God's battle. He's inviting us to trust him. Remember that he is in charge. He wants to take the lead in the battles we face. And God says through Jahaziel, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Earlier, Jehoshaphat prayed, God, we don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. And now God says, watch and see. Watch and see what I will do. The deliverance I will win. And Jehoshaphat and the people fall down in worship before God. And the cries of desperate prayer turn to cries of praise to the God who answers. And God spoke through Jahaziel, but Jehoshaphat still had to believe. He still had to have the faith to respond and lead, and he did. He rallied others to put their faith in God in this moment. Verse 20, early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem, have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Who does Jehoshaphat put to lead the army? Mighty warriors? No. Capable leaders? No. He points men to sing to the Lord. A king who calls his people to lead out in praise. And the men sing, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. What a moment. What a moment. I listen to a lot of praise songs uh, that are being written. And it's one of the ways that I connect with God. But it also helps me to discern what God is doing in the capital C church. Um, I believe God gives uh, generations different songs to sing based on what's going on in the world and in the church. And there's a lot of songs right now that, that speak to this theme of praising God in the midst of the storm. Praising God before the breakthrough comes. And I want to share the lyrics from a couple recent songs. Uh, the first one is Praise Before My Breakthrough. And listen to the chorus here. I'll praise before my breakthrough till my song becomes my triumph. I will sing because I trust you. I will bring my heart. I will lift my song. And this other song, Raise a Hallelujah. I will raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I will raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I will raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I will raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. I'm going to sing 
in the middle of a storm. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will rise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. Did you catch the theme, the message of those songs? God, I'm going to praise you before the breakthrough comes. So my song becomes my triumph. I'm going to sing in the middle of a storm, in the presence of my enemies. My weapon is a melody. You know, so often we praise God after the fact. After the battle is won. And I believe God is asking us to praise him in the midst of the battle. Before the outcome is determined. We need to face our battles with humility and dependence and faith in God. And we also need to face our battles with praise. And praise awakens our faith in remembering who God is. Praise is all about the character of an unchanging God. And I believe God will give us songs that will help in our battles, like a fight song, like a battle song. I have a, a worship playlist that currently has 18 songs that are very meaningful to me in this season of life. And I was looking over the list of songs. I realized there was one song in particular that has become kind of like a battle song for me over the last year. And it's a song known by Torn Wells. If you listen to Caleb, it's, it's on there all the time. You see, one of the core battles of my life is a longing to be known. Uh, that people would know me and love me for who I am. And as I look back on my story, there's been just certain seasons where this theme kind of emerged, and I realized this is at the core of my deepest desires my deepest longings as a human being. And the verse of the song is, it's speaking about God. I'm fully known and loved by you. You won't let go no matter what I do. And it's not one or the other. It's hard truth and ridiculous grace to be fully known and loved by you. I'm fully known and loved by you. There's been so many times in the last year, after a long day, I'll get into my car and this song is on the radio where I, I get done with a tough meeting and the song pops up. And I feel like God, through the song, just speaks to me. Jared, I, I see you. I know everything about you. And everything's okay. Uh, because I fully know you. And I love you right where you're at. Fully known, loved by God. These words speak to the very core and depth of my longings. And I look back at my story, and there's been just different songs in different seasons that have been so important to me. When I was in college, Heart of Worship was like my go-to song. There's so many different songs God has used over the course of my life. Are there songs that have been significant to you? That have become battle songs? 
In this season, do you have a fight song? It's allowing you to stay centered in who God is. If not, maybe pray and ask God to give you a song to anchor your life in praise of him. I want to wrap up the story of Jehoshaphat, verse 22. As they began to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. As the people lead out and praise, God sets the enemies against each other, and they are completely destroyed. As God promised, Jehoshaphat and his people would not need to fight. They only had to watch and see. God delivered. He won the battle. As I close, um, I think about the battles that I've faced in the past, uh, the battles that are to come in the future. And I'm I'm reminded that the greatest battle in my life has already been dealt with. Because just like you, I'm a sinner. I'm a wayward, rebellious creature who wants to live life on his own, do things his own way. And before a holy and perfect God, this is a serious problem. Our sin backs us into a corner with no way out on our own. I can't resolve my sin problem. You can't fix your sin problem on your own. As great as Jehoshaphat was in this moment, no one compares to Jesus. No one. Jesus led out of humility. He led out of sacrificial love. He laid down his life at the cross for our sins. You see, the cross of Christ provided the greatest victory. The greatest battle that we could not win on our own. And Jesus dealt with it. He took care of it. He conquered sin and death for us and he won. And we need to hold on to the cross of Christ in the midst of our battles because we have victory in and through Jesus that changes everything for us in this life and in the life to come. And faith, faith calls us to keep our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. The pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. So we can be forgiven and free 
and have victory over sin and death. Man, we got to hold on to Jesus. We have to hold on to the cross. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus, the battle victor, the author and perfecter of our faith. I don't know what your battle is this morning. I want to encourage you, though. It's okay if you don't know what to do. It's more than okay. Because humility that leads to dependence, that leads to faith, is the best response. To tell God, God, I don't know what to do right now. But, God, I'm going to keep my eyes on you. I'm going to keep my eyes on you in the midst of the battle. And we need to learn to surrender the fight and let God lead the way. Learn to wait and watch and see what God will do. And may God give us battle songs, songs that anchor us in praise that we never forget who he is in the midst of the battle. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.